Hi, I'm Mike Sklenz, and this is episode 40 of Nintendo World Report's Connectivity. On this episode, we're kicking off a three-week series on the Pikmin franchise with a discussion of the original Pikmin for the GameCube. After that, Neil, with some help from Patrick, interviews owner and director of Renegade Kid, Jules Watson. They talk about basically every game Renegade Kid has released. Uh, after the show proper ends, you can stay a while and listen to Scott, James Dawson, and Nate talk about Diablo 3. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Connectivity Pikmin World Report. We are doing a three-week focus on the Pikmin franchise. We're going to start off this week with Pikmin 1, which of course is um, the many best people's, Pikmin game. Yeah, it's many people's favorite Pikmin game, but I'm here with one other person who I know for a fact doesn't think that way, yes. uh, Mr. J.P. Corbin. How you doing? Hey, everybody. Yes, Pikmin 2 for life. And then, of course, we've got, we've got Zach here as well, and... Uh, Zach, we brought you on because you just finished a an extra life article, which is still in editing, I believe, for I don't the think first. It's getting put up till July. <laughs> yes, that's... that sounds we about did. right. We did. We changed the Pikmin. Pick... For all our listeners, this is like inside Nintendo World Report. Pikmin Two Month was supposed to be June, and then it never got done, so we pushed it back to July because of E3. That's yep. that's the story, at least. Stupid that's E3. that's the story. We're we're sticking to it. I uh. I I love the series, and I have a lot of really fond memories of playing the first two Pikmin games. Really, the first one almost more than the second one. I the, the first Pikmin game kind of came at one of those like kind of transitional moments in my life, anyway. So um, it sticks out more when I think about the series. Uh, I, I played the first Pikmin game um, w- while I was working the night shift at a empty dorm that I was working the Christmas break on where like one person stayed. So they had to have someone to staff the front desk. So they had me working like a, like a 4am to, to 9am shift. So I, and I had just gotten my GameCube. So I would bring my GameCube down. Neil, I mean, and, not Neil, uh, Andy. Yes. <laughs> Were there some uh, sweet sounds coming down on the night shift? Uh, no, <laughs> no, there were no sounds. It was dead quiet, um, except for the sound of the Pikmin music, which right. still to this day reminds me of playing video games at three thirty in the morning. I guess, yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was, it was like three to three to ten or some crazy. I, I spent most of my time playing like in just this empty, this big ass empty like a lobby way, and um, it was just. It, it's the kind of game that suits itself so well to playing with solitude that I couldn't have really have had a better a better experience with any video game at that point in time. It was just it's, it was something else. Just like yeah. Resident Evil. That's exactly the truth. Yeah, because I played Resident Evil kind of the same way. Only I was in my it was in my dorm room. It was the same. It was very close to the same period of time though. And I sequestered myself um, for a weekend. I played the entire thing in a weekend with pretty much – I pretty much sat on the couch for three days straight, nice. which is how you have to play a survival horror game. You can't you can't take too many breaks. I think I went, I went downstairs to eat, and that was about it. <laughs> but anyway, Pikmin. Pikmin, Pikmin, Pikmin. Um, well, anyway, I, like Pikmin – Pikmin was one of the games I got with my GameCube, which I got for Christmas in 2001, so the year it came out, a little bit after launch. Um, and so Pikmin was one of the three games I got, along with Luigi's Mansion and, and Rogue Leader, so that's a pretty good lineup there. Yeah, um, and and I, I loved it. I was, I was a 
really, I, I, I was a big fan. It was like really unlike anything I'd ever played before. And you really haven't seen much like it since. No. I mean, there have been a few things like those Overlord games, and there was the recent Vita launch title that was supposed to be like it. But really, you don't see many games taking this style. And I think none of them have done it anywhere near as well as the Pikmin games have. Yeah. That's they have a really, they have a really good personality. Like they I do. think the, the writing of the game it d- does more for it almost than anything else. It really else. does. Like the, like I was I I went back and I was play I played through the entirety of the new play control version within the last few weeks since E3. I played the Pikmin three demo and I was hooked on it, so I went back and played the the first one. And I'm in the process of playing through the second one. And it really stands out how good the writing is. I mean, like it, 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 this was, I think, the period in which Nintendo's Treehouse localization team was really coming into its own. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I would probably call them the best localization team in the business, or at least up there. And this, this was a great example of that. It was, it, it's, it's, it's. I mean, the second one had more humor in it, I would say, yeah. because it, with the with the product placement. But I mean, that's, I guess, a story for next week. But the first game has great, like a char- great charm to it. You know, it's, it's like it, it's really it's a simple story, but it's told really well. Yeah, it is a simple story. Hey, look who's joined us on the call, Mister Carmine Red. Welcome to the welcome to the show, Carmine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm on Nintendo okay. time. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be here on time, but then you had to have a big announcement saying you're gonna be five minutes late. It happens. <laughs> Every single conference. There was actually an announcement preceding the announcement, but anyway. <laughs> Karma, why don't you talk about your initial your initial thoughts on uh, on on Pikmin and how you started with the series? Uh, well, I got the GameCube at launch, and Pikmin's weird. I always think it's a launch game, but it actually came out later, December, January, something like that. It was December. It was like it was like two weeks after launch, and I think it and Smash Brothers Melee came out the same day, two weeks I after launch. I think they came out within a couple of days of each other, but I don't Maybe. think it was the same day. Yeah, well, anyways, I, have, I have very I guess, vivid memories of that like two week period of time. Yeah, I guess uh, that's a uh, launch window then. But uh, yes, I don't know. I mean, that first Pikmin, it's it's it's. I still think about it. I. I I dug out new play control just uh, last night and revisited it, and it's, it's, uh, it's. I could, I cannot add or, t- I cannot. Well, it's perfect. I don't know. I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is great. I don't know, perfect, but it's it's very good. There's this whole uh, Pikmin one versus Pikmin two thing going on, and I, I if I'm definitely on Pikmin one side. Yes, but I, I think we're all together in that we love both of them. We just have different. You know, favorites, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think Dak maybe sure. not. Dak's very opinionated, so maybe he just hates Pikmin Two. Dak <laughs> hasn't actually played Pikmin Two himself. Well, you could so. do that. It's out now on the Wii. It's twenty I know, bucks. I it's to. definitely worth that. Dak, you should probably do that. You should. You should because it'll make you appreciate Pikmin One. Hey, I like that. Hang it up the call. Hang up the call and go out and buy it right now. <laughs> Just hey, hop I'm, on the I'm, eShop I'm gonna... and buy it digitally. Come on. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> that would be great, be nice. wouldn't it? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was two months from now already. Maybe when I get That's the Wii crazy. U. Yeah, um, uh, Zach, I, your first I... your first experience with the game was on the Wii, not the GameCube, right? Yeah, um, I never actually played the uh, GameCube game. I'd, I'd seen it. I think there was a demo in a store that I might have played, and I I didn't really get it. Um, because I'm bad at RTSs anyway, and that's what I thought it was, um, and it kind of is. But it's, I got, it's a very interesting. I mean, it's a very different take on the different genre. take, sure. Um, so I got the new play control version for a view uh, on Wii, and 
you know, I have, I liked it a lot. Uh, I was very, it very much surprised me and I have warmed to it even more since, uh, since then. Um, I've grown to like the time limit, whereas before I don't know if I did. See, I had the same experience going back and playing the game in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I remember back on the GameCube when I initially played it, the time limit was like stressful and all that, but maybe it's just because I'm older and more experienced and it doesn't bother me as much, uh, but I think it adds something to the game. It adds a sense of urgency. It makes you more careful with your planning. You really have to think things out ahead of time yeah, to make and, sure and you're, the, you're making an efficient use of, of the time you have. This is probably uh, spoiler territory because it's in my extra life, but I'm going to say it here anyway. Um, it gives me, well, first off, I should say that in the Wii game, you can select any day you want that you've completed. That is, that's, I so, mean, that's great. I mean, that's I think that. And, and what it means is that you have this mighty Switch Force-esque way to revisit stages you've completed and beat your own time basically yes and get a better time so you can revisit any day does that mean you can kind of like once you go back it erases your progress forward you can erase your progress back to any point in the game yeah okay so it's kind of like the prince of persia mechanic sort of yeah okay that's kind of cool i haven't played much of the new control the new play control version for pikmin one oh it's quite I don't good. think you couldn't you couldn't do that on Pikmin One for Game. No, you, you couldn't. No, no. this okay. was in addition for the new play control, and I think it's handy. It it removes some of the stress for the the limit. So it's like if you really okay. if you really screw up a couple days, you can go back and redo them, and and so like you don't have to See, worry I, as much. I never had a problem with the time limit because I beat the game with all of the parts on day thirty, the first time that I played it. Like I really had wow. no problem with no problem with the time limit. And I've replayed the game several times since then. Never had any problems with that on um, any other subsequent playthroughs. So I guess I never really saw the time limit as being that detrimental because I was never all that stressed out by it. I didn't have a yeah. problem with it in my recent playthrough, but it's nice that it's there. You know, I didn't really use it, yeah. but it's it's nice that it's there. What, the time limit? The end of the day thing or the 30 days thing? The, the being able to go back with the new play oh, control, okay. being able to go back to previous days. Well, I think I, by, by by the time limit we mean the, the thirty day limitation, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. Well, what I liked is that, um, uh, you know, if I I would go through a level, I would get used to it, and then I just replay it and do better. Okay. Uh, you yeah. know, right from the get go. Fair, enough. Fair um, enough. And I really like that about it. Like there, there was an under, there's a uh, underground level where there's a lake, and. Um, mm. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking tough. about? There's yeah, a, yeah. a shallow lake. There's the and lake, and I then re- there's the part with the fire and stuff. Yeah, yeah like, and the fire. There's like how many bosses in that stage? There's a few of them. <laughs> there's like two or three, but I remember having a hell of a time on that. But then once I got used to how that stage flows, I was able to go back and really kick its ass. And you're yeah. kind of – the whole game to me now is finding the most efficient way through every stage. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, like, if you want to go back and try and beat your, like, I I went through and I got all 30 pieces in 29 days, and if I were going to go back, if I didn't have the second one to go to, I might have started it up again and tried to do it faster, and so that's like a interesting kind of high score kind of thing. How, yeah. how, how quickly can you do it? I mean, I there, are, the... there are modes like this in the other games. I mean, there's challenge mode in Pikmin 2, and then Pikmin 3 will have that whole replay thing. 
you know, yeah, you beat sure, a level, sure. you replay it, you go back, and then you actually get to study from a well, bird's yeah. eye view your thing. So, I mean, yes. I guess we're going to see actually a lot more of that. And I think it's a great, it's a great thing to do in Pikmin. Uh, I didn't know that Pikmin uh, New Play Control actually lets you do that. I don't know if, uh, I don't know, I just picked it up and in a couple of days I'm like, 14 parts in but um <laughs> do you think do you think do you think like this time limit is something that we that i mean is there anyone in this chat who doesn't like the t- the 30-day time limit is that just a hardcore gamer thing because yeah it's, i it's I initially love it. i initially didn't like it yes I mean, like i said like back originally on the gamecube i wasn't a huge fan of the time limit but at playing it recently i like it and i think it adds to the game and I think someone who was it who said like it just gives more impetus and more emotion. Yeah, to yeah that's what I'm saying. Urgency. Like yeah. you, you, you. Urgency is a great word. It's like you, you can't really waste a day. I mean, you can if you want to use the functionality and go back and replay it. But if you're not going to do that, you need to be efficient. You need to get as much as you can done in one day. And it, it yeah. like it, yeah. It's like a full commitment. And it, whatever you don't get in that day, sometimes you're fighting for seconds just to break down the wall. So that yep. you can just go to the ship and leave that part of the puzzle for later, which is great. Because Pikmin 1, yeah, Pikmin 1, you had like these, the levels were, compared to, to I think, Pikmin 2. Pikmin 1, the levels were really meant to be taken over several days, you know? Yes. You had this oh, time certainly. element of, I'll, I'll schedule this, I'll do this today because I'm preparing for later. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I felt like there were there were several parts in the game towards the end, like most of the last stage before the final boss, and also that that underground lake stage. There's a specific part on that where you have to like navigate a fire tunnel yep. to get a part and then bring it back. And there's a lake you have to get across as well. Yeah. There's several parts in that game towards the end that feel like the culmination of everything you've been working for thus far. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it makes you wish there was more of that. See, yeah. what it made me wish, now, like, I went back and played it recently, and going back after playing Pikmin 2 a lot, th- those kinds of things, that last stage, the one with the lake and the fire and all that, specifically yeah. made me think, made me really wish you had the, the mechanic from Pikmin 2, where you could split between Olimar and Louie, where you could like divvy yeah, up okay. tasks, because that that last stage is like, you could there are different things going on all around the level, and you want to multitask, but it's really hard yeah. the way it's set up. That last stage is pretty crazy. I seem to recall getting my ass kicked by it quite a few times, before I even got to the last boss, who, in and of, in and of himself, is pretty ass-kicking. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Pikmin's definitely one of those games where, like, you, or at least on the GameCube, I'd play a level, I'd, I'd get to the end of the day, the day, and I'm like, I'm not happy with my performance. And yeah, exactly. Set, yeah. And I'm like, I'm doing this again and I, until <laughs> I get it right, you know? And, uh, what do you guys I mean, well, the environments in the game. That's, that's one of my favorite parts of the game. Oh, they're gorgeous. The, the, the lush, like, foresty kind of environments. That's my favorite kind of environment in any kind of video game, and Pikmin really nails it. Yeah. I think my it favorite level good. is the one with the big uh, the bird head. Because it's so expansive and, and foresty mm-hmm. and there's water and rocks and plants. Mm-hmm. and They're all great. I mean, like, there's oh, no yeah. part of that game. It's like it's, you know, a problem with the second one is, I mean, it is the, the underground stages, which it's not really because they're randomly generated. I never had that issue, but they're, they're just less bland. Even, you know, there's yeah. nothing going on and there's no scenery. Mm-hmm. Which I think takes away from the game, but in this the, one, the every... sense of it, the sense of exploration is completely lost in those stages. In though, yeah, those yeah. are like you're getting from here to here. It's not like the sense of maybe not the sense of exploration, but the sense of wonder, the sense of discovery. Right. I mean, you don't yeah, have discovery. That's you don't have an it. environment. You don't have you don't you don't have uh, 
anything around you. There's no environment. It's just kind of here you are and you got to yeah. get through this like maze-like area. In this game, everything's crafted so well. And see, I think for as much as people like to, and I'm going to go ahead and skip a, a little bit ahead to Pikmin 2 now. We'll cover this more next week, but you know, Pikmin 2, a lot of the people slight the the underground stages, and I can't disagree with that, but the overworld stages are just as good, if not better, than they were in Pikmin 1, and I love that about the game. Well, except for the last stage of Pikmin 1. I don't think there's anything like that in t- Pikmin 2, that last multi-day huge no, campaign. You're right, there's not. The last stage in Pikmin 1 is probably the best game between the best stage between both games in mm-hmm. terms of just pure strategy. Yeah, there's so much. I mean, like I love that in in the that last stage there you you like there need all three types of Pikmin and you need to use them perfectly. There are pieces that require you to use all three types to get that ship piece. And and it you just it's there's a strategy and you really need to employ it and and it's like the there's so much depth there that you really don't see at the beginning that yeah. you need to manage them and you need to pick the right ones. And, and I, 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 I just love the game. It does a great job of it. Yeah, I mean, I know pick, people call Pikmin action and they call it like strategy or it's some mix between the two, but I really think it feels like a puzzle. Yeah. It's, it's that too. It's, it really is. It's a giant level puzzle, which is wonderful because this is Nintendo, and they know how to make these things. They know how to make that last stage in Pikmin mm. 1, which makes you use everything up until that game. I mean, it's strategy, but it's not you against an enemy as much as it's you against the environment. Mm. And you need to manipulate that environment to get everything you need out of it. And so it is, it's a strategy, and you, like you said, it, there's like a puzzle element there. It's like, how do you do this? And there's, yeah. you know, with the time management, it's like, it's it's... There's a lot to it. What do you guys think about the um, the addition of the Wii controls? Do you think there's any drawbacks to the additional controls, or is it all pretty much beneficial? I could all not beneficial. go back. I couldn't go back to the old way. You see, I'm yeah, not I so sure I agree. I, I I find that the um, the C stick, where you could just move your Pikmin around you to uh, to give them marching orders. Mm. I use that all the time in the first Pikmin. And having mm. to just sort of point around your guy with the, uh, I think it's the D-pad, isn't it? Down on the D-pad, yeah. Down on the D-pad. I don't, I don't find, I don't like that nearly as much on the Wii, on the Wii version as I did on the uh, on the GameCube conversion. Well, and 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 this is this is jumping a couple weeks ahead, but in Pikmin three that I played <laughs> at the demo, uh, the guy, one of the the guy running the demo told me that that mechanic is just not in Pikmin three. Really? It's all throwing. There is oh, no. Oh, I don't like that at all. Well, they have a charge. They have a charge in Pikmin is 3. There... Like an is all there... in. But it was the easiest and quickest way to get your Pikmin to just pick up and carry the things that were around you. Yeah, think, like if you yeah. had like five of those pellets, you just. Or if you wanted to the have C-stick. them attack a wall, you just walked up and used a C stick to just throw them all at the wall. Yeah. I think there's a oh. charge mechanic in Pikmin 3, but I guess we'll wait okay. to talk about that. You know, I, yeah, we shouldn't, I shouldn't yeah. judge it because it's possible they just improved the. A- AI enough that I don't. Need I think to do that they anymore, did. But... I mean, I've, yeah. I mean, going going back to Pikmin One, it was the, the I will say that the controls in New Play Control Pikmin One don't feel as good as the controls in the Pikmin Three demo at E3. They've really upped those, and the, the game feels a lot tighter than the New Play Control version does in that regard. Yeah, I think it's interesting that with the um with the Wii Remote, you're able to actually... You're not you're not able to throw Pikmin further. I'm fairly certain that limitation's set, mm-hmm. but you're able to call Pikmin to you from further away. Yeah, that which is a huge help. I mean, that that really makes it... Like, I felt like I could move around quicker that way. Yeah. 
And uh, well, I, I have one thing to say about the new controls. I mean, I was lying back on my couch and uh, and unknowing to me, my pointer was off on one part of the screen. I was pressing A and uh, I threw a Pikmin right off one of those underground levels into the abyss. So I'm not. <laughs> so it's it's not because it's because you point. I guess it's just not be as careful. immediate as the GameCube. Be careful with that pointer. <laughs> So maybe not perfect, but on the whole, I can't go back. Yeah, it just, I wouldn't. It's its like, this is another example of the Wii controls, like just dramatically improving a game that wasn't designed for them with really is the pointer, which is, yeah. I, I think, right. And I'm surprised I'm saying this because when I first got like Pikmin on, on the GC, it, it felt like it was made for that controller. It felt like when Miyamoto was telling them, no, the control has to be like this. He was doing that with Pikmin in mind. I, I mean, that's just, you know, my impression. I magically got this idea of, oh, this is what he was talking about. I very much agree. I, I love the GameCube control for Pikmin. I think it's designed perfectly for that controller. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons that, although I don't have a lot of specific complaints about the Wii control, I don't think it feels as natural to me as the GameCube control does. And that's just because it was designed specifically for that controller. Yes. Sure. And that's, I think, why Pikmin 3 feels better, because it was designed for that interface. Yeah, definitely. Well, any uh, final thoughts on uh, Pikmin 1? Everyone should play it. Really, yeah, you should. This is, I mean, people, you know, talk shit about Nintendo for not making new franchises. And this is probably the most recent big franchise they've made. And if you haven't played it, you really owe it to yourself to go back and play this. Get the new play control version. It's probably pretty cheap by now. Hey, if you tell someone on the forums that Nintendo doesn't create new franchises, they'll list you 50 completely irrelevant games. <laughs> yeah. They're Captain not they're, Rainbow. They're not. <laughs> Come on, guys. No, it's okay. There's like maybe eight or ten relevant games, and then 60 more that aren't relevant is really what yeah. the forums... There are good elements to it, but the forums go a little overboard. I love your forums, but you really sometimes... <laughs> it's the internet, forums are great, dude. guys. <laughs> hey, I one will say, more thing. our forums our are much better internet. than... Our forums yeah, okay. are much better than any other part hey, of the internet. If you want new IP, you go play Starfy, I, I guess. There you go. <laughs> hey, one, yes. one more thing I want to say real quick about Pikmin 1. Um, it is really gorgeous. It is. Uh, mm. And I think uh, this is something I also said in my soon-to-be-posted Extra Life. The fact that Pikmin 3 just looks like Pikmin 1 in HD is a huge compliment to the first does. game. It basically does. It looks like a higher-resolution Pikmin 1. Yeah. Works for me. It, yep. it, it, I don't Pikmin have a complaint. Is... That's perfect, because the Pikmin 1 looks great as it is. So it's like, it's maybe a few more polygons and just higher resolution, and it's, it's, it's gorgeous. I... I'm not sure if it's Pikmin 1 or 2, so this may be a premature comment, but is Pikmin 1 the game that has the empty swimming pools? Or are those in the underground stages of Pikmin 2? I think 2? those Pikmin 2. Those are the underground stages. Oh, I love stages. that. I love that. Huh. Anyway. There you go. Well, Pikmin 1, folks. First in our three-week Pikmin extravaganza. <laughs> if you don't like Pikmin, then maybe go subscribe to Car Talk for a few weeks and come back. <laughs> Get off our phone. No, don't come to Nintendo World Report. <laughs> if you don't like Pikmin, go find another site. Yeah. <laughs> but I do recommend Car Talk. <laughs> I do too, and they're going off the air now. Yeah, they are. October. Oh. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll, uh, we'll hey, everybody. Again. We'll see you next week yeah. for Pikmin All 2. Right. Yep. Pikmin 2. Bye.
we're here for a, an, a special segment on connectivity of, of the Connectabytes variety. And it's me and Patrick as usual. And this time we have a special guest, Renegade Kids, Jules Watchsome. Hello. And How's it going? Yes. And uh, I guess uh, I'll, I'll let you talk, Jules, because Bomb Monkey should be coming out roughly a day after this goes up. So uh, we'll, That's right. Yeah. So uh, what would you say was kind of like the, the inspiration or genesis of Bomb Monkey? How long have you been working on it? You know, it's actually an idea that I've been kicking around for quite a while, just as far as the, the basic concept. Um, but, you know, in a nutshell, it's kind of my weird interpretation of Tetris, really, uh, <laughs> as far as kind of, you know, having pieces that you are given um, and, and how you use those pieces obviously ultimately, uh, you know, help you uh, fend off the, the rising blocks, um, but in the end, obviously, cause your demise and game over as well. And I, and I really liked that simplistic kind of poetry the, the Tetris, you know, how it works. Ah, it's really clever. Not many puzzle games work that way uh, as well as that does anyway. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was the inspiration. It was basically Tetris in a, in a nutshell. And uh, I know I remember talking to you about this a little bit at E3, but I know from especially playing it more now that I, I've been playing the final game, it reminds me a lot of two games, one of which I know for a fact you did not know existed, which is called Panic Bomber, which I think came out on like Super Famicom in Japan and came out on Virtual Boy in North America. I actually got Panic Bomber like a week before E3, so it was fresh in my ah. mind. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Um, but uh, the other game was Wario's Woods, which, I mean, there's a little bit of difference, but it just especially with the bomb comparison, it seems kind of similar in that way. Was that on your mind at all, or have you even played that game before? No, I haven't played that one either. <laughs> it's a, pre- no, it's a, it's a pretty damn good puzzle game, if I do so myself. myself. I think yeah, I, I need to check it out. It is sure on, it is well, on, yeah. The NES version is on Virtual Console, and I think it was one of the last NES games to come out. On Wii Virtual Console? Yes. Yeah, okay. I'll have to check it out. It also, fe- um, it also features a purple Wario for some reason. Well, that's always good. Yeah. You can't go wrong with a purple Wario. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's actually the, 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 uh, what's the, 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 ugh, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. The way Bomb Monkey kind of evolved over time is interesting. It started off, like I said, just the core idea as far as the, the game design. Um, and then, actually, the, one of the first iterations uh, was actually, it was called uh, Warehouse Willy. <laughs> <laughs> and you were a little blue collar, a uh, little guy working in a, in, a, in a warehouse, obviously, and your name was Willy. And uh, ev- everything was crates, uh, and it was, and actually, uh, the main character was at the bottom of the screen. There's a conveyor belt coming towards him. That's where all the pieces were, and you would throw things up onto the conveyor belt and, and destroy them. That so the exact same gameplay, but a completely different theme, um, and uh, and that's kind of how it how it started. And I was like, well, and then just that theme, even though it's cute, and I like that kind of stuff. I'm you know back from the Spectrum days of Jet Set Willy and, and Manic Miner and things like that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I'm very fond of those types of things. That's purely nostalgic, though. There's no other good reason to like that stuff, really, because uh, the theme is very odd and strange. But I guess not unlike Mario, I guess, when you think about it. But, yeah, true. Um, but I kind of thought, well, let's go for something a bit more kind of, gen- you know, generally appealing. Who doesn't like monkeys? Who doesn't like bombs? I mean, I mean it's really. a good combination. I do like uh, reading the instruction manual. It has a lot of kind of... Like, all right, young bomb monkey, now get ready to blow up some blocks. It's got that very much like yeah. that, that, that retro vibe to just the presentation of the game and, and everything yeah, about that. Yeah, the, yeah, the manual actually worked out. Well, actually, Matthew Gambrell, the programmer, he actually wrote the manual. <laughs> he, uh, it, it, one, you know, one day he was kind of uh, putting it together, and he has a very uh, good sense of humor. He's very dry. 
um, and is really into old classic, you know, games. Huge fan of them. So um, he was putting it together, and he just did the whole thing himself. And I'm like, man, that's amazing. It was just great, you know. And it, you know, his whole concept of you know it being a sport and all that kind of stuff. That's totally him. He just totally made it up and that was done about uh, a few weeks before we actually submitted the game to Nintendo <laughs> so it wasn't that had nothing you know the, the foundation of the game was not built on that at all in yeah. any way but he kind of conjured that and it's, it's really neat I, I like that in manuals when it has its own personality and when you read it you're like oh that's really cool and when I was reading it I'm like oh man this, this game sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> he did a good job but I think it complements the game really well it captures the spirit you know of these cheeky monkeys in a in a in a a jungle kind of playing this ridiculous sport. It's fun. Now, uh, Patrick, you have not said much. As someone who has not played the game, I, I don't know if you've even seen much about it. Uh, no, no. Do you me. have anything that you're curious about in regards <laughs> to the game? Um, I, I, you guys have been describing the gameplay, and it, it's just it seems c- completely different to me because I actually haven't seen any videos of it yet. I haven't. Okay. Neil hasn't told me much about it. <laughs> it's just, right. I, I'm interested in getting it this Thursday when it comes out on the eShop. Well, let me explain the gameplay for you if you would like to hear. I would. Would you like to hear that? All right, let me check, let me start from the top. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, the basic controls are you know you start at the top of the screen and you can move left and right, and when you move, it kind of moves on a on a grid basis. So you move like a, like an, an entire kind of grid, snap to the left and to the right, and then you push down to drop the pieces. And you'll you mainly get blocks, cut of blocks in your hands. But occasionally, you'll get a bomb, um, and then a few other kind of uh, special pieces that you can use as well. Um, and it's interesting where I watch a lot of people when they play it and they'll kind of put down, you know, three same colored blocks next to each other and they expect them to disappear. They're like, oh, well, why didn't, <laughs> why did nothing happen? That was actually, three colored... fortunately, when I first saw the game, I saw someone else do that. But that was in my head what right. I think would happen too. Yeah, which is really, I mean, it totally makes sense. But to me, I obviously, I wasn't thinking that because I knew <laughs> how it works. So I was like, oh, wow. When I when people started doing that, I was like, oh, that's really fascinating, you know? It's it's so interesting how other games can condition your expectations of, of, a, of a game, a brand new game. It's really, really fascinating. Anyway, so you put down the colored blocks, um, and you do want them to be touching each other, but the way you actually ignite them and destroy them is by dropping a bomb. So when you finally get a bomb... Uh, you throw that down and it kind of has a cross explosion kind of radius so like a plus sign um, one unit to the left right above and below will be destroyed by this bomb when it explodes so anything in that area will get uh, hit and then if, it, if there's like a, a row of same colored blocks it will create a chain so like they'll kind of explode one after the other and then take each other out um, and in addition to that uh, oh, then any pieces that may have been kind of a... Like, say, if you had a line that kind of goes beneath some other pieces that weren't destroyed, once the, the, the explosion is over, they'll kind of, like, shake in the air, then drop. Or gravity will kick in and then make everything kind of drop to the ground again. Um, in addition to that, you'll have these striker blocks. And um, if you, when you uh, hit those with a bomb, uh, they can take out an entire row or an entire column in one go. And that's really cool. So you can actually... If, if you notice there's like a, a horizontal striker block deep in the pack below you, you're like, oh, cool. And then you get like a vertical striker block. You can you can position that above that, way above the stack, but you know it's going to you know reach that. You can put it up above the stack, ignite that one when you get a bomb. And it creates a great combo where you'll get a vertical blast and a horizontal blast. And you can have another vertical blast and you can create this crazy combo. So in addition to it taking out those, it's also hitting the colored blocks. So you're actually getting these chains as well happening. 
So it can be really cool, these really explosive, crazy uh, moments of, wow, my screen's nearly full up, I'm nearly dead, and, and boom, do, 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 everything, all this stuff goes off, and now you've wiped it out, and you're kind of down to nearly nothing. It's, it's, it's quite fun when that happens. It sounds like um, there's quite a bit of strategy involved sometimes. Definitely. I mean, you can just have mindless fun, and I think, you know, because it starts off at a really easy kind of uh, pace, pretty slow, which is nice, but then kind of ramps up uh, when you get a higher level, because the level... Uh, the more blocks you destroy, the the faster it moves. You know, okay. very similar to Tetris in that regard. So you kind of move up to these different levels, uh, which basically means speed. Um, and then in addition to that, there are the uh, bomb letters, so B O M B. Uh, when you destroy, uh, and they you know arrive one letter at a time. When you destroy, you know all of the bomb letters, then you'll have what's called bomb monkey time, and that's when you have an unlimited supply of bombs for ten seconds. So you get you get to rain bombs down on on the uh, on the playfield to kind of destroy everything. So. Yeah, so that, that, that's kind of it in a, well, not really a nutshell, in a wordy kind of explanation. <laughs> yeah, and the, the one thing that, uh, at least from, you know, playing it now, uh, there's a two-player mode, and because the whole game is played uh, in, I guess, book style would be the official term? I don't even know. Yeah, I, I, apparently, um, yes. But uh, holding the 3DS in that, that style, that's how you play the game, and it's, you know, all the gameplay's on the touchscreen, but you can also play multiplayer where you have one person on the touchscreen using the D-pad, and another person using the top screen, uh, using the face buttons, and that gets that gets right. really really ridiculous because it basically makes that kind of competitive Tetris uh, concept, but Attack. all yeah. but all focused in such a small area. Um, and I think actually yeah. the proximity of yeah. that, I don't think that that two player would be the same if it was like local multiplayer and each person had their own system. Totally. Yeah, the you 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 actually are cuff, you're forced to kind of get uncomfortably close to each other, <laughs> which is quite nice. Uh, actually, one time I was playing at E3 against uh, Tyrone uh, from Nicholas, and this is actually the first time where we didn't actually have a surface to put it down. We we're in, in a bar, as you are in E3, <laughs> um, and um, so we were both holding it, and that was really fascinating because we were both working together in that sense, both holding the machine and supporting it yeah. from falling to the floor but obviously against each other at the same time. And that was really fascinating. And then in addition to that, you know, you can get quite, you know, uh, animated, you know, towards the end. Um, so your hands, you are moving faster and you're kind of, you know, jerking the machine around unintentionally uh, to get stuff going. And that was cool because you could actually feel your opponent's moves, literally. It was like really interesting. And he actually beat me. He did beat me. I'll admit it. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Multiplayer. Is, is very special on this game, for sure. I mean, I think the single-player modes are pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of fun there, but yeah, the multiplayer is definitely where it shines. It's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And you can play cooper cooperatively, uh, where you both play together against, you know, with one score, um, or you can play versus against each other, obviously, to take each other out, so. Actually, and in co-op mode, you'll have this special little gift box, little present, um, and uh, if you destroy that, um, that kind of gives your, I guess, your partner, that means the next item that they'll get will be a bomb. So if you have someone less experienced on one side, you can kind of help them out on the other side um, by going, okay, yes, I'll bomb that little gift box to make sure they get a bomb because obviously they need one because they're struggling or whatever. So it's, yeah, it's pretty neat. It's some unique uh, stuff in there. Yeah. Um, uh, the one thing I guess I have to, I have to ask the, the critical question that I think I already know part of the answer to, but uh, one disappointing thing that I'm noticing is that there's really no kind of leaderboard in the game. Uh, is right. there, I mean, 
I know online leaderboards can be a pain, but there's also uh, it only shows your your top overall score, not any kind of like top five or anything. Is there any reason why you chose to go that route? No, I mean just because we wanted to make it you know simple and, and get it out you know sooner rather than later. I mean the networking stuff can add a month or three of wow. time when you when you consider everything involved in creating the the system, uh, making sure it works, and then making sure Nintendo. Uh, you know, uh, approves it because you can have lots of little issues. Um, so it, it can add a lot of time. Uh, and this game obviously was very kind of short and quick, uh, relatively speaking, as far as as far as when we actually started developing it. Anyway, when did uh, um, when did start start for Bomb Monkey? It was it was this year. I don't know. It was, <laughs> was, it, a few, was it basically right after ago. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. It was a few months, uh, just a few months of development, um, and that wasn't even full time. And honestly, we probably spent too much time on it anyway. <laughs> I mean, we, I mean, when you look at the credits, you'll see that we put way too much work even into the credits. And... I, I, I love the credits <laughs> in, uh, in Mutant Muds and Bomb Monkey. They both have a lot of personality. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun, but yeah, no, it, it's it. With this, we, we're trying to be smart because now we're, you know, publishing our own games on on the eShop. So we we want to be. You know, we don't want to spend way too much time and money on making a game because we want to kind of try and make a profit so we can continue to make games. So we're trying to kind of, you know, strike that balance between um, making games but just not spending too much time on them beyond, you know, beyond what we have to. Um, and I think I think we've achieved that with both me and Muds and Bob Monkey. I think we, we got it to the point where, like, yes, we're happy with this. This is good. Yes, we could spend another, you know, one to three months adding this, that, and the other, but do we need to? Um, and is that... You know, is that going to actually, you know, help in the long run, or will it hinder? Um, you know, because if you imagine uh, Mutant Muds coming out, you know, one or three months later than it did, that you know could have been very bad. Because yeah. I think it came out, it came out in January, which was kind of perfect. Yeah, I would say um, that, that we had, December we had, January time frame for the eShop was was an embarrassment of riches. So it kind of worked out. It was, you know, really, really yeah. high marks for everything that was released in that time. Yeah, that was an, I mean, as a gamer, that was an amazing time. Oh my gosh, from Pushmo to Mighty Switch Horse to VVV and uh, Muds and was it, I think that was mainly uh, I might have missed one Ball in there. Yeah, Zim Pinball, yes, and, and then and Sakura Samurai came, and then Dylan's Roland Western kind of you know on the tail end of that was yeah, it was a, a golden a golden age of uh, eShop. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess. Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, Bomb Monkey, the the release in Europe. Will there be as long as a lag between the mutant Mud, or like like how it was for Mutant Muds, which I guess was almost five months, uh, the delay between the North American and European release? Will that be shorter for for Bomb Monkey? Yeah, that's the plan. Definitely, um, is to make it a lot shorter. Uh, for us, you know, uh, it was the first time we'd done that, so we kind of had a lot of stuff to learn. And um, yes, the the hope is to get it out. In Europe, much quicker than it came out in uh, with with months. Awesome. Um, so for the lo- looking towards the future, I know ATV Wild Ride that's set for an early fall release, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Should be hopefully in the third quarter. It might sl- slide into the fourth, but hopefully in the third quarter of this year. Now, I guess uh, for so, for those uh, who, who might be listening who don't aren't really familiar with it, I know ATV ATV Wild Ride did come out on DS. Uh, it was published by mm-hmm. Mastiff, right? Uh, no, oh, Destiny. Okay, Destiny. Mastiff did Moon, right? Yes. That's right, yeah. Um, and that came out about a, a year, year and a half ago on DS. And then the 3DS version was, I guess you were originally shopping it around to be a 3DS retail title, and then it wound up being on the eShop. How, how did that all go down? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, like going back to the DS one, you know, we, uh, I mean, it really started off with, I loved uh, 
playing Pure on the 360. I thought it was an amazing game. Um, and, and I was like, man, having this kind of experience on the DS would be awesome. Um, so I checked out, you know, what uh, ATV games were on the DS. And, um, and well, to be frank, they were just awful. All of the ATV games on the DS were just like, wow, and almost embarrassingly bad. Um, and it was like, but the technology was there. You could see that there was riders there, there was an environment. Everything was there, it could do it. Um, but I think the, the decisions as far as implementation uh, were just wrong in every way. Um, and it was like, and it was really frustrating. So I wanted to play that, you know, uh, on my DS, but I couldn't. Anyway, so that we, we had the driving portion of Moon. We'd already developed, obviously, the Moon buggy and Moon. So we kind of took that and grew from that and then created our own kind of ATV, you know, racing game for the DS. And, um, and, and I think it turned out great. Um, I think, you know, had, we got some good reviews for it. It did well. Um, it didn't have a great distribution, unfortunately, um, due to um, some difficulties that the publisher was having at the time. Um, so it didn't really um, get out there. Even to this day, I've never seen it on the shelf yeah, anywhere. Yeah, neither have I. When uh, you first, when you, I think I, I first heard about it when I met you at E3, uh, two E3s ago, and I was like, uh-huh, wait, that, yeah. that's out? I had no idea. Yeah, it's like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I ordered my copy, you know, from Amazon, and I've just I've never seen it. So it's like whatever, um, you know. But I was really proud of it. It did really well. Got some great scores, you know. Like I said, different websites and stuff. People really seemed to like it. So um, anyway, so we we're like, well, we you know we were working on um, uh, face races uh, for the 3DS, uh, which actually was an evolution of the ATV DS racing engine, funnily enough. Um, so we thought, hey, let's go full circle and let's you know go back to ATV and kind of create that on on the 3DS. Um, and uh, yeah, our, you know, our first thought was just let's try and find a publisher to get out there. But it's it's just tough with any kind of original game. Um, it was tough on the DS uh, with the DS version to find a publisher to kind of get an original game out there, and it's the same with the 3DS. So we we kind of shopped it around, had a playable demo and stuff. Uh, people liked it, um, but um, yeah, it was just well. I think people are just trying to play it safe now with different licenses and other kind of methods of trying to mitigate risk, as they say, um, as far as getting games on the shelf. Um, so we're like, you know what? We really believe in it. We love it. Let's just do it, you know, ourselves instead. Um, and uh, so we've just been chipping away at it for, you know, the last few months, kind of on and off. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's come together great. So we just decided, well, I mean, I think with with how well I think Muds has done on the eShop and, and just the eShop itself, how good it is and how people seem to actually enjoy it and uh, I think there's a lot of activity on the eShop, certainly a lot more um, on DSiWare and I think a lot of people want to go there than, than people went to DSiWare or WiiWare just because the eShop is so much more easy and fun to kind of interact with. Yeah, the DSi with. shop uh, was, uh, was kind of a joke. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, it was so frustrating. There were a lot, there was a lot, there were a lot of good games hidden there, but man, oh, yeah. was that a tough shop to navigate. Oh, it was so slow, it was just, it, it, yeah, wow. Gosh, I'm glad I don't miss those days. Yeah, I, I remember going up there and downloading Cave Story, and it was just so painful. I was like, man, you know, I bought a lot of games, actually. Shantae, my, uh, Dark Void, I mean, I bought a lot of games on the DSiWare, and each time it, it was really painful, and it, it was almost telling me not to buy games. It was so painful to go on there. Anyway, but um, but no, so Muds did pretty well, and we're like, hey, you know, let's just, it, wouldn't it be cool to kind of release, you know, basically a retail-quality game, Um on the eShop, you know, for like something around ten dollars, um, I think people would really appreciate that. So yeah, we just suddenly decided internally, let's just do it, and it's, it's and it's turned out great. Greg, our art director and co-founder of Friendly Kid, 
he uh, you know he's been focused on the artwork for basically well the entire game. I'm gonna say basically, but no, literally <laughs> the entire game. Um, the, you know, so he upraised everything, all the textures. Um, obviously, a lot of the textures were already uh, we already created high res versions for the DS game, but we'd scale them down because that's just the way typically textures can be created. You create the big one and scale them down. Um, so we had a lot of them already, which was great. Um, and we've added uh, really cool lighting and shadows. Uh, when you go into a shadow, your you know your character darkens and stuff like that. It, it just looks great. Um, we have mit mapping, which helps kind of sparkly things in the distance, helps smooth that kind of stuff out. Um, we're actually now working on two major um, added components to the game. Um, the first one being uh, suspension, um, which will be more of a subtle kind of thing that some people may not notice or care about. Um, but for me, it's one of those things that I think will really kind of make it feel a little bit more like a console game rather than a handheld game in a way. Um, and an obvious, hopefully, upgrade from the DS game. Um, it's not completed yet, so uh, hopefully we do complete it, and hopefully it does uh, turn out as good as I imagine it. <laughs> um, but it's come along really good, so we're going to get that in there. And then um, the and one big feature is uh, online multiplayer um, and online uh, an online ranking system, um, which... Uh, so, you know, for me, I mean, when you go online and you play... Uh, especially a game that isn't Mario. You know, if you have a game, um, you know, any game that is a third-party racing game or third-party multiplayer game, you know, it's hard to kind of build any kind of sense of community unless it's a, a first-party game, I think, unless it's a really massive license. So I was like, well, you know, just jumping online and, and, and playing against a bunch of random people that you don't know is, is a novelty, but, you know, at first, but after a while, you're kind of like, why am I doing this? This is not that much fun. I don't know these people. I, I just, there's no point, you know? You kind of lose the interest, and then you think, well, let's let's play some local player, multiplayer with people who have a copy of the game. So, so I think to try and add some kind of incentive, some kind of sense of community or something, is, is to, we're creating an online ranking system where, um, so at least, so really, you're going to go on there, and, and um, you know, you, there's, you can be number one in the world. <laughs> Uh, and it's going to be persistent, you know, forever. Well, as long as the system and everyone else, you know, lives and survives. Awesome. Um, so it will be up there. So I think it'll be nice. There'll be something to actually go after and a goal to achieve. Um, and the good thing is, it's it's obviously just like any ranking system. Um, is It's based on your performance and the points you earn and, and how well you race and, and, you know, stuff like that. So you may be number one today, but it doesn't mean you will be tomorrow. So you kind of always have to kind of keep a look at it to see how you're doing. And, I th and hopefully that sense of competition will, will create a little bit of extra kind of interest and kind of uh, desire to actually play it. So, so I'm excited about that. So I think with this game, um, to completely contradict myself, um, <laughs> as opposed to Bomb Monkey, I think it's really worth it with this game. Yeah. You know, I think it was really worth, you know, like, you know, let's do multiplayer online because we have multiplayer local to DS. Um, and let's get ranking so there's natural purpose to it. So I'm hoping that that you know, really helps this game because I'm really proud of it. It's really simple. It's not rocket science. It's not, it's not you know, some new thing, but it's just a fun racer with jumps and tricks, and it looks awesome. It has cool music. Actually, uh, Greg's uh, band uh, did all the music, which is really cool. <laughs> so it's kind of technically licensed music, um, which we license for free. Uh, but it sounds really good. It's really cool. If you like the style of music, it's very punk, rocky kind of that stuff. But it, I love it. I think it, yeah, it fits it really well. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about ATV. And we've rebranded it as well. And if, everyone, if anyone's seen the box art of the first game, which most of you probably haven't, which is probably fortunate, it's very generic. Um, it's very, and that's kind of, that was kind of the purpose was like, hey, let's get it in Walmart, let's get it on the shelf. So it's that $20 kind of casual impulse yeah. buy. You know, even though it's a good game, 
let's you know get it out there so the casual players who are looking for something safe for their kiddos don't mind picking up and that was kind of the strategy with that game but the the big vital piece of that strategy was it didn't get on the shelf <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't work out too good um so this time we're like you know what we didn't like we were, it didn't feel good to do that honestly the first time around so this time we're like you know what forget that let's rebrand it the way we wanted to originally uh with guys with backpacks shirts and cargo shorts on not guys with official you know garb on so we're going for more of the kind of fun surfer kind of hey i'm just on uh, i happen to be an atv having fun kind of uh, perspective so if you go to atvwildride.com you'll see there's a nice big splash image there that, that greg created that looks freaking awesome it completely embodies the original kind of intent of the game so uh yes i'm super excited to be bringing it to the shop i think it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to, I think it's going to be interesting to have a game of that value, that kind of quality for like nine ninety nine or whatever it ends up being. I think it'd be really interesting to see how that does. I'm hoping it does well and people will kind of uh, appreciate it and like it and stuff. Yeah, I mean, we already kind of saw that on the eShop with uh, Order Up just, uh, I guess, last week. Um, yeah. And then I guess uh, Planet Crashers 3D, which is another game that you guys worked on. That, that was originally slated for retail and it looks like that's coming to the mm-hmm. eShop as well. Um, that's right. That's, uh, I take it you got you guys are done with that, and that's just in Ignition's hands now. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. it's yeah. It's at Nintendo's uh, approval process right now. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, I guess after ATV, T, yeah, after ATV Wild Ride 3D, uh, what are your plans? Are you gonna stick to just the 3DS eShop, or are you going to go elsewhere at all? Uh, all of the above. Um, we're definitely gonna stick with the eShop because I, uh, as a gamer, love it. Um, and then from a business perspective, it seems to be doing all right. Um, so that's two great reasons to stick with it. Um, and so yeah, uh, we have we're definitely going to be doing muds too, um, which I think we spoke about yeah. at E3. Um, actually, yes, you, you, you can, uh, you can an article read about it. In fact. to uh, read that's about right. what you told me at E3 about me. That's and right. Muds. I have re- I've read what I told <laughs> you at E3 about you muds. Um, yes. So uh, yes, that's exciting. So that'll be coming out. Um, uh, it's, I mean, I think it's, we actually might, well, like, like I said, in what, well, like you wrote about, like I said, probably the first quarter of next year, but we may attempt to actually even try and get out a little bit sooner than then, but we'll see how it goes. There it goes. Um, but yes, MUDs 2 for sure, um, because that's fun. And we have a few other ideas, um, or beyond that as well, but there's something after MUDs different and I'm ready to do anything else we've awesome. done, which is a really fun project kind of concept uh, that our main uh, programmer uh, uh, Bob Ives our technical director who has been with us from the beginning and single-handedly created Dementium um, uh, one of his ideas um, so it's his kind of his seed of an idea which we're kind of growing from which is really interesting we haven't done anything like that before um, so that's the, so that's cool it's a really cool idea um, anyway so that's another thing that we're going to be uh, working on as well um, and then we are also porting Mutant Muds over to the PC, uh, which is a little bit different for us. And that is super exciting. Um, certainly, uh, not least of which uh, of the reasons is because I have my Super Nintendo Joypad plugged into my PC through a USB <laughs> adapter. That certainly makes it sweeter. <laughs> um, and that's actually working out really cool. We uh, started working on this really cool... Um, well, one of the issues was obviously it's 2D, obviously on um, on the yeah. PC, unless you have a 3D monitor, which I don't know if many people do or not. <laughs> um, but we certainly can't rely on that uh, like we could on the 3DS. Um, 
So to try and emulate that same kind of feeling, um, we started experimenting with an idea uh, this week, uh, which is the proof of concept has certainly worked out really well, and now we're actually finalizing it with more fancy techniques, is the depth of field kind of uh, effect. Um, so you start off, you know, in the middle layer, and the foreground layer and the background layer will be slightly blurry. Um, and then when you jump into the background, the background will become crystal clear, the foreground will come, become even more blurry, and then the, the mid-ground that you wear on will become slightly blurry. And it looks freaking awesome. So it looks like the camera is kind of changing focus as you're moving across the playfields. It looks ridiculous. It looks so cool. <laughs> That kind of reminds um, me especially of when you, what, I don't know, Shantae Risky's Revenge was a game that did that kind of uh, jumping into the background and the foreground, um, and I, that seems to kind of be reminiscent of how they did that, where it's like they just focused in a little more on, on the layer yeah. that was active. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it just looks so good, especially when, you, when you're in the extreme, if you're in the extreme back or extreme front. It's just amazing just to see just how blurry the, the extreme, the other playfield is. It's just, it, looks, it looks really good. I mean, it really does trick your mind to thinking there's depth um, because of the blurry kind of foreground. Your mind uh, turns it off. It just doesn't pay attention to it because it, it emulates reality, you know, and you're focusing on something at a distance. It's really fascinating, really interesting. Um, no, it's great. It's like, wow, it's, yeah, it looks really good. So anyway, so that's, that's cool. So we, yeah, we're going to have the PC version. Uh, actually, the whole game is playable. It's all there. I can play through the whole thing. Uh, we're just wrapping it up now as far as those kinds of effects um, and, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, just the kind of PC-ness of it, just to kind of, you know, the options to make it full screen and not full screen and that kind of stuff, just those kinds of things. But um, uh, but it works great. Um, so we should have that wrapped up in the next few weeks and have that coming out uh, on various probably different distribution platforms, I expect. So yes, very excited about that. And I guess uh, to to wrap this wrap this discussion up, uh, how do you feel about some of the news that came out of the Nintendo Direct last week, such as the 3DS XL, the DLC that Nintendo is doing for New Super Mario Brothers 2, and and other assorted things? Yeah, I thought that was really smart of them. I think I mean to have that event basically after E3 was amazing. You know, I, I think obviously E3 ended with some people disappointed with Nintendo. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that really just highlight, you know, just put the spotlight right yeah. back on them again in a good way, which is really very smart of them to do that. Because obviously they could have uh, shown that and announced that at E3 and people would have liked it and so on. Um, but I think putting its own spotlight on it after the fact was very smart. Um, and it allowed E3 to be all about Wii U. And then after that, all about 3DS. And I thought that was very clever um, of them to do that. Um, I think the XL looks incredible. God, I mean, it looks like they've really refined the the hardware. You know, the physical design yeah, of, it looks, of the it looks beautiful. of the device. When I first, when it I really first saw it in, in the the video, I thought it looked very weird. But then, as a, I think there was a European outlet that posted like video of it and pictures, and uh, it looks so gorgeous. Yeah, yeah uh, I was it, looking at pictures of people just holding it, and it it looks a lot nicer. Yeah, it also looks giant, yeah, it, but I'm I'm fine with it. It does look huge. Um, yeah, it looks great. I mean, I like that it has the three separate buttons for the, um, what is it, select home yeah. and start down there. So that would be nice. Um, it has that kind of um, matte finish of like a DSi kind of feeling, yeah. you know? It looks like it does, anyway. It, um, it looks very smooth and the uh, the corners are even more rounded than the, than the 3DS. It looks really nice. I, I, I can't, I mean, it looks cool, but honestly, I, I like small handhelds. <laughs> so I kind of wish that they would do a light version with that same kind of finish, you know? Um, I'm tempted to buy the XL because it just looks so beautiful, but 
Honestly, I don't know if I want a machine that big. I kind of like smaller handhelds, so... Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get it in my hands at some point, I guess, and check it out. But, but yeah, it looks great, though. Yeah. It's, 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 I guess maybe that suggests that the um, DSi XL was very successful for them, you know, that they went that route rather than the, uh, the lights. Yeah, I mean, well, if, if you look at kind of the comparisons to when they've done, like, I guess, a, a drastically smaller system and a much bigger one, you know, the Game Boy Advance Micro, from what I remember and what I heard, that kind of crashed and burned, although I think that that little system is gorgeous. It is. It's I mean, amazing. Yeah. I, I didn't get that right when it came out, but I got it a couple years later, and that's if I go back to play a Game Boy Advance game, that is what I play. It is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was a big fan of the uh, GBA SP. Yeah. I just freaking love that thing. Oh my god! My, my only issue with that the, is that um, I'd always kind of like cramp my hands on it just because of how like angular yeah. it was. True. It is tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. I can see that. It's uh, it's such a. I mean, I got the. The dark graphite, what is, what is it called? I have it up there on the shelf. I'm trying to see if there's a name on it. I don't know. It's the dark kind of gray graphite, awesome looking thing, with the brighter screen. It looks, <laughs> oh, love that thing. But um, and then and then I think the DSi XL originally it was kind of billed as like the large print version of the DSi, <laughs> but I think it did yeah. did sell a lot better than they expected. And I think they actually uh, when they were I think one of the press releases about the 3DS XL, they kind of hinted at the fact that the DSi XL sold drastically more units than the DSi. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, it was a very clever campaign when the, D when the DSi XL came out because it was hand-in-hand -hand with Brain Age yeah. in that whole thing, you know, and uh, Professor Lates and that whole kind of period all happened around the same time. So, you, you know, you've got an older demographic basically going, great, you know, I'll have a bigger machine, I'm not, you know, I don't have to squint at it kind of thing. I have these games that are totally for my brain that I, I want to play. They're not kind of silly games where I get to shoot things or do whatever. So it was a really good campaign at that time. So um, in theory, I, I assume they're probably going to back it up with similar software. Um, but if they don't, then I think they might find that it's, you know, a uh, bad timing. Yeah. <laughs> Because that was kind of hand-in-hand hand with it, really. I mean, it wasn't just about the hardware. It was about the audience has something to yep. play. And they had the machine to play on. They got, and obviously, they have to go together. You, can't, you don't need one without the other. So it'll be interesting to see how they approach that. Because I always assume these things are Nintendo, because they are brilliant and they're smart and I love them. But they do make these weird mistakes sometimes. Like, it would be odd if they brought the XL out but suddenly didn't bring... Brain Age or Professor Layton yeah. out. Well, I mean, uh, Layton, yeah. Layton 5 guess Layton is, is coming, coming out, right? out in November. And I guess that, that, That's right, that yeah. new Brain Age game's got to be coming out sometime in North America and Europe. It's coming out on the same day as the 3DS XL in Japan. Um, yeah, oh, okay. Well, there you uh, go. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. I think it's called Onetore in Japan. It's it's demon okay. training where there's an evil version of Dr. Kawashima. Oh, yes. Okay, yes, I've seen that. math and memory okay. stuff. Oh, that's what that is. Cause I remember seeing the box and see the little devil guy in the front. And I'm like, what is that? Okay, I didn't realize what that yeah. was. Now I know. Cool. Um, yeah. But uh, what else was it mentioned? I thought the DLC stuff was very, was very cool for um, you know, the Gold Rush levels of um, Mario 2. That's going to be interesting to see how that goes. Um, I like the fact that you know they're not even going to start making them until the game's yeah, out. I like and that too. Be almost be this this live team, you know, kind of creating stuff for people. I, think, I like the concept of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, now that's going to be interesting to see how that goes and how they approach that, because um, that will certainly path the way for, um, or pave the way, I should say, for um, 
how other people will probably copy them, you know, and probably me included, <laughs> you know. Um, I think that'll be really interesting to see how they handle that and just how much they cost and how often they do it and just how it's presented to the user. And if you buy them one at a time or you buy them in packages or, you know, just all that stuff. There's so many ways you could do that um, that they can afford to be experimental with um, that maybe people like us can't as much. So, um, yeah, it'd be cool to see what they do with that. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to but, see how that all works out. And I, I do kind of like the way that they're doing this DLC, not with the intent of having day one DLC, but just to have more content in the coming months. And it's it's brilliant to do that yeah. for new Super Mario Brothers. It is. I mean, what a great reason to get on the eShop. I mean, it's a, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, you know, products for them, you know, brands for them or whatever. And you know, basically forcing people to go on the eShop to then get more content for it. It's like, wow, that's going to bring a lot of traffic to yeah. the eShop. Um, you know, that's it's, it's interesting. You know, will you do it through the game? You know, will the game take you to the eShop? Or will you have to go to the eShop separately? That's going to be really interesting to see how they connect the two. Um, because the game doesn't technically live on your console like most eShop games, unless, of course, you download it. But if you don't, it's going to be interesting to see how they connect the yeah. two. Because some some users don't even realize it has an eShop. You know, they'll just buy games for it, shove it in there, and there you go. So it'll be interesting to see how they bridge that gap. And it could be the thing that does bridge that gap because there is that problem right now of some people not realizing that you can get online with a 3DS and there's a whole you know library of games uh, on there. So it'd be interesting to see if this is one of the titles that helps you know uh, fix that like issue. I'm pretty sure uh, Theater Rhythm, which comes out in North America one week from today, um, I believe that has an in-game DLC shop. And because uh, oh, wow, I think that cool. that'll be basically the first game to hit North America that has DLC. Sweet. Yeah, that's cool. Good to see how that all works. Yeah, no, I've heard lots of... I wish I got to see that game at E3, but uh, I've heard amazing things about that game. Everyone seems yeah, to love it. I, I didn't actually um, get to play it at E3 either, and I'm looking at my Amazon pre-order. Release day delivery. <laughs> right. <laughs> when it, so when does it come out? Let's uh, say two weeks? Uh, oh, no, a week after? Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. And then it's a, then very, it's a very full soon. month of games. It should be a good time. I know, right? Yeah. That's yeah, that's pretty good. That and Rhythm Thief. That's basically what July is. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, yeah, Jules, um, thank you very well, much for coming on. Uh, is there there any yeah, last man, thoughts thanks. you want to tell the uh, the myriad of listeners that I pretend that we have? <laughs> um, well, how about I turn it back on you and ask you what your thoughts were of Bomb Monkey? Oh, snap, I went there. <laughs> uh, my review should be going up uh, maybe, maybe tomorrow. Um... Okay, and cool. I, I really enjoy it. I've been playing it a lot. The the one thing that keeps on kind of coming back to me is that, I mean, well, the, the two-player mode is, is brilliant. It's wonderful. It kind of sucks that there's no kind of online leaderboard because, I, I mean, I'm competing with myself, yeah. but there's only so far that can right. go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because it's kind of yeah. like, it, it's like a self-fulfilling carrot on the stick. And then uh, right. the, the other single-player modes, which I, I think they're kind of they're kind of cool, but it just seems like it's like, you know, I played the rescue mode once or twice, and I'm like, oh, that was fun. Let's go back to Endless. Yeah. Um, they serve right. as more of a distraction and not really like a viable alternative to playing the Endless mode. Right, totally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, one thing actually worth thinking of, kind of going old school with the leaderboard, is just getting people to go and send yeah, photos I, in I of, uh, of their high school. <laughs> Could be quite I know, funny. I, I, and there's also, I mean, a pretty easy way to do that. It's not like, you know, a speed run in Shantae where you need to take the picture right after you finish it. Your high score is always no, displayed it's always on there. the screen. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And everyone has a camera on their phone yeah. these days, so it's not like it's difficult to, to do that. But, uh, 
Yeah, and, and what's interesting is, I mean, depending on obviously how well it's received, um, uh, you know, it'll be four ninety nine when it comes out, which obviously is, you know, a pretty decent price, you know, free game on there. So I mean, just, if it does well, um, the good thing is that there's always the possibility to go back and, and patch games, yep. you know. So it could be one of those things we could add if there is something awesome. that feels worth doing, which is always nice. Uh, yeah, we'll have to yeah. see. I mean, other than that, I, I, but, uh, I cool. really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm not just saying that because you're here. It's a really fun puzzle game <laughs> that I keep on going back cool, to. Man. It's become, uh, I guess, not necessarily that I'm, I'm playing it while I'm in the bathroom, but it's that kind of game where it's just like I'm hanging out watching TV. I'll play Ball Monkey for a right. little bit. It's kind of uh, it's a it's a good puzzle game. It has replaced Doctor Mario in my my 3DS slash DSi rotation. Wow, that's that's uh, <laughs> high praise, I, I would think. But no, it's a fun time waster, you know. And that's the thing for us. It's just that's that's what it yeah. is. Yeah, it's just a nice, simple little game. So well, cool. I look forward to uh, to reading your review, checking out what you think of it. Um, and yeah. And uh, yeah. Thank you very much for coming on, and hopefully we'll uh, we'll talk to you sometime later about Planet Crashers and or ATV Wild Ride. Yes, I'd love to. That'd be awesome, man. All right. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate and review us on iTunes, and if you have any listener mail, you can send it to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity, a bonus segment at that. Uh, I'm Scott Thompson, and today I'm joined by Nate Andrews. Hello. And James Dawson. Hey. And uh, we're going to be talking about Diablo 3, uh, the sort of uh, love it or hate it uh, sequel to Diablo 1 and 2, uh, released, oh, maybe about a month ago now uh, by Blizzard. So, starting things off, I was a little curious about both of your uh, guys' experience with the Diablo series. Like, did you guys, have you guys played one and two before? Did you just get in on the ground floor with three? How, how did that work? Um, uh, I, go ahead. Oh, I played Diablo 2 about a month before the game came out. Uh, Diablo. For the fir- yeah. For the first time? Yeah, so um, I don't have a lot of experience, and I only played it for a little bit just to see how it felt. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it, but I felt that it was a little overly complicated. Yeah, yeah, I could say. Well, especially compared to three. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, we'll get into. But yeah, it's definitely a, a lot more complex. Um, 
and a lot more to like the potion management. I mean that that's a big part of yeah. the game right there. It's just like spamming potions um, and all that good stuff. Um, so have you never even played one then? No, I haven't. Okay, and then Nate, what about you? Uh, so my experience is a lot like James. I picked up two um, online when probably around the time that the Diablo three beta came out, just to try it out. And um, I think I have kind of the same feelings. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's definitely funny. interesting, and I see why people, especially when it came out, got into that kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember, I mean, I guess it's almost been, what, 12 years now? I think 2000s yeah. when, when the Diablo 2 came out? Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, as for me, I, I've played all three games as they were current. <laughs> I, I On my old, like, um, like Pentium 2 uh, computer, I played the original Diablo, and then later uh, Diablo 2, um, and then, yeah, and then now Diablo 3, so... I actually I, uh, own, I bought uh, the first Diablo, and... Going back to that, especially after two and three, oh geez. It, it's an amazingly slow game. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. There's no run or anything. I mean, your character just kind of plods along, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, it is. It's a very, very slow game. This is definitely true. Um, and actually, come to think of it, in Diablo two, um, if we're talking about speed, real quick, there was actually running, but you had you stamina. Yeah, right? you could actually run out. To, yeah. Wow, that's kind of crazy. <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess each of you then just kind of were getting swept up in the Diablo 3 uh, hype, and I guess got in right in with that one. I do kind of feel like um, having played Diablo 3 for like, I don't know, dozens and dozens of hours now, that my experience with that is kind of, I guess, what somebody would have playing Diablo 2 when that came out, <laughs> if that makes sense. What do you mean? Like, just, like, in terms of your enjoyment of it? Yeah, and, and just getting, like, completely sucked into that kind of game. Yeah. I, I actually went out and bought the Book of Cain before uh, the game came out so I could know the story. Oh, wow. And honestly, I really like the game's lore. Um, I, I think Diablo 3 had a pretty decent story as well. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, the, the biggest thing, um, and, and we can move into this because I wanted to talk about... I guess our first impressions of Diablo 3, whether you played the beta, which I didn't, but I think both of you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just kind of our first day experiences with the game. Um, but that that first day of, of getting and actually being able to get online when the, the servers weren't just, like, shitting themselves, um, there was this sort of, like, frenzy. And every time I logged on, I would just, like, sort of join someone's game at random. And so the first act for me, until I played through all the way to, um, you know, played it again on uh, Nightmare Difficulty, was sort of just, like, bits and pieces. Because I kept jumping in, and it would just automatically, like, take you, you know, like, right. catch you up. Um, That's weird, because when I did it, I played most of the normal difficulty solo. Yeah. It wasn't until, like, Nightmare that I started playing with you and, like, other groups of people. Right. Yeah, I, I actually only have experience with uh, solo and normal difficulty. Because after, oh, really? yeah, after oh, wow. I beat Diablo, I just stopped playing it. Wow, okay, you just, you didn't get caught, like, in the whole, I mean, like, the biggest thing, I think, is, like, for that game, it's sort of that, the way it ensnares you and, like, forces you through, like, each difficulty. Like, it really, like, kind of right. gets, like, its tendrils in you and kind of, like, yeah, gets like, really addicting. I think yeah. you and I were playing, and we beat normal, oh, yeah. and then we, we just immediately started on, on Nightmare. <laughs> we did, yeah. Played, hours after that. Right, probably played, like, half of Act 1 on, yeah, on yeah. Nightmare right there. Um, wow, that's interesting. Well, I know, I know, James. Actually, one night I remember you. Uh, I'll never forget it. The day you you really hurt my feelings when I I joined your game and you told me, "Oh no, I think 
for my first playthrough, I want to play by myself so I really get the whole story. <laughs> yeah. And then you left you left the game. <laughs> but that's okay. I understand. And like after now that I've played through it again, like being able to witness the whole story. I mean, I don't think it's like amazing by any means, I, but there, there's enough there that it's interesting and it's I, very campy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as most Blizzard games are, right. it's all just like tropes, you know, whether it's like sci-fi or high fantasy or, you know, anything like that. I actually think the game's lore is probably done a bit better than the actual story. It, uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, it's it's actually pretty in-depth, especially on... Um, the Book of Cain's not very long, but it actually makes a pretty interesting world. Really? Yeah. So, I actually don't... What is in the Book of Cain? Is it just, like, uh, sort of a wiki of Diablo yeah, lore? Yeah, it's, it's written from uh, Cain's perspective, kind of like a journal. Oh, okay. And it's basically, it talks about the beginning of the world and uh, talks about all the, uh, I think, the prime evils and the lesser evils. It goes into the battle with the angels and things. It's actually really interesting. Uh, oh, that's pretty cool. I think it's actually written to Leia. Oh. Oh. That's pretty awesome. Now, as far as, like, well, I'm guessing not. No, but I guess, like, the, um, the you know, you'll find his book scattered throughout the game and he'll, like, read you little things. Um, or you know he'll even tell you about monsters when you encounter new monsters. Is it written in that same kind of like same kind of style? Or? Yeah, kind of like that. Okay. Is there That's an audio? Cool. Is there an audio book of Kane so I can just listen to him reading say, it? Say everything. <laughs> um, horribly voice. I don't think there is. It's a. It's <laughs> kind of an art book too. Yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. I would buy that. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah the, those first few days though um. I don't know about you guys, but like I said, there was definitely a frenzy, and it was definitely like any spare time I had, I wanted to be playing the game. I don't know if you guys felt that way too in the same yeah, in yeah. the uh, in the first yeah. few days. Yeah, I had the same. I, I definitely snuck in some some games at work. Oh, nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think too it helped uh, kind of uh, fuel that. Um, was the fact that the servers were sort of inconsistent those first few days. You never really knew if you were going to get to play. So it's like if you got to log on and you actually got to play, it was like you kind of savored it. I mean, there was a few times I'd log in and then like a timer would be starting and say, well, the servers are going to shut down like in, you know, five minutes. Half an hour or something. Right. And it was just the worst. (laughs) Man. Um, What did you guys think about the fact that you had to be online to play, you know, even single player? Especially you, James, playing it entirely single player. Yeah. Did that ever bother you? Not really. Actually, um, I was kind of happy about that because I don't... Mods and uh, hacking and things always bothered me in games quite a bit. Because I, yeah. I like to keep it kind of it, it, the most possible, as pure as possible. Like, I, I won't use mods in games because it, it kind of... Uh, if it's not what the developers intended to be in the game, even if they intended the game to be moddable, I won't play it. Sure. So um, I'm, I'm really happy they kept it that way because I don't want hacked items, even though I haven't been playing it lately. Um, I know a lot of people don't like it. Mm-hmm. So. Don't like the, yeah, the yeah. logging in, right? Yeah. It, it was really bothersome at the beginning, though. Um, right. Because, yeah, be, just because of the server load. Now, obviously, you can log in, no problem. Yeah, yeah I definitely um, don't mind it as much now. I I kind of appreciate the convenience of being able to do it anywhere, you know, pick up from any spot. Right, like any computer, sure. And like, it's yeah. nice, like, even though you're playing single player, it's kind of cool, like, to see what other people are doing. And if, like, your friend comes on, like, you know right yeah, away. You can, and he, you can and... jump into his game immediately. You can jump, you know, to any point. Right, game. right, which is awesome. So, like, when, once you get into it, once the servers calm down, like, it really became streamlined and kind of cool. For the um, most part. I, yeah. I still get some, some pretty bad lag from yeah. time to time. 
Which is always disorienting when it's just you. It's like, why, why and, is this and happening? It totally, yeah, and it totally ruins it. Right, and this is the kind of game where a little bit of lag, even for a few seconds, can just completely kill you. Because, yeah. Yeah. You there's, know, because, because you, you need to heal and you don't know and then you're dead. Yeah, I, I saw a video of somebody playing on hardcore and oh, it laid down no. for a while and it came back and he was just dead. Oh my god. His character was gone forever. That would be awful. Yeah. Wow. Um, let's see here. So... James, why don't you feel the need to go back to it? I mean, are you done? Like, do you think um, you'll ever play through it again, or you just feel like you've completed it and that's it? I'll probably go back. It's just that I play. I played it day in, day out, just constantly when it first came out. Yeah. And I, I guess I kind of got burnt out on it. Um, sure. And I had other games. I, um, I think I, I was playing Animal Crossing at the time, too, and some other things. So I... I'll probably go back to especially I'm I'm going to uh be transferring to a new college and I'll be living in the dorm so I'm sure I'll have people to play with. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'll probably go back to it. And then Nate, how far have you gotten so far? It's so, like how much have you played? Um I'm at like 50 some hours with uh with my monk, which is Okay. I've started a, a wizard. I haven't played much of that. Uh it's mostly the monk I'm trying to level that up. But, uh, yeah, that's the only character I've done, so I'm probably going to go through a couple more times. Yeah. Yeah, same here. I made my, my Barbarian to start out with, and I think now I'm, like, almost at Act 2 on Hell difficulty. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, but, see, I started going through, because, Nate, you and I played almost through Nightmare, like, entirely together. Yeah. Um, but then getting to Hell, like, I was, like, kind of playing it by myself, and it got yeah, so that's, that's no freaking hard. It got yeah. so hard. <laughs> um, so it's kind of burnt me out on it. And, in fact, I've kind of just kind of got in this weird mood where I've gone back and started playing a lot of StarCraft 2, which oh, yeah. is weird. Yeah, just, like, competitively. I don't know why. Every every few months that kind of happens, but uh, I guess it's just the Blizzard connection that kind of wanted me to, made me want to go back to it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to keep playing through with my Barbarian, but at this point, like, I think because there's been so much time now, it's like, I kind of lost that, like, I don't know, that, like, impulse to want to keep going and find that better gear, you know, and, like, just to keep right. pushing. So, I did, I, I did. Yeah, I, I think if I took a break like that, I would have to come back with a fresh character. Right. Kind of, you know, get the yeah. other side of the experience. Right. Um, and I did, I did start a wizard, and I played through to probably, like, about level 12. I uh, I guess it speaks to the that initial like hook the game gets in you. But my brother, my little brother, bought the game, mm-hmm. um, maybe like two weeks after it launched, maybe three weeks. So I was already like you know halfway through Nightmare Difficulty. So I was like, okay, I'll start a new <laughs> character, and that way we can play together. Right. And then he did, like he kind of has a part time job, but he doesn't work that much. So it, it like within a week he was already like at level like forty something, and I was already just playing with him with my my main barbarian. Like it was just crazy. He just blew through the game. And with several characters, nonetheless. He started a Demon Hunter and then played about 20 levels of that and then switched it up to Monk, actually, and then played all the way to where he's at now with that. And now he's, like, level, like, 57. He's almost, like, through hell difficulties. So, um, pretty wild. That's pretty wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've played um, a bunch, but it's, that's nothing. <laughs> right, exactly. Have any of you uh, given the auction house a go yet? Yes. I was just, I was just going to ask you guys about that. I've sold a couple things on the auction house. I think like seven dollars worth of. Oh, oh wow. you even sold like the the yeah. real money stuff. Okay. Yeah, I got lucky a couple times. Yeah. Nice. Now, how does that? As far as that, is that tax at all? How does that go? Yeah, uh, I don't know about tax. There's a like a certain a service per- fee, a certain that, percentage of yeah service yeah, fee that goes, that goes to Blizzard. That, yeah. Yeah. That's and I pretty think, interesting. I think if you move that over to PayPal, there might be some stuff associated with that. 
Yeah, I think they uh, take uh, they take a certain amount from PayPal when you put it on. Yeah, there. yeah, mine's okay. just in my uh, Battle.net account right now. Okay. Do you think you'll move it over? Do you think you'll just spend it on something? Yeah, you know, once I get up to a couple hundred dollars, I'll probably shift it. But you think you'll get up that high? <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> okay. probably not. That's wild. I'll, I, I'll probably I just... spend it on something trivial. Right. I mean, it's just sitting there, and if they're gonna cut, keep cutting chunks out of it, the more you move it, then <laughs> like, yeah, I guess you might as well just spend it. Um, it's kind of interesting um, that whole philosophy. I mean, to just let you. The user sell things in the game for actual money is kind of yeah. wild to me. Um, and obviously, I think they were a little nervous about it. They waited a while to launch it. Yeah. I think they wanted to wait until maybe, like, there weren't as many people just up and buying the game right when it came out. Maybe they're worried about it getting flooded and too many people, like, exploiting it. And now, like, kind of tied to that, have you guys heard about this, like, whole, like, trial period thing? Yeah, they yeah. just uh, rolled that back, though, if I'm not is mistaken. That, is that completely gone, or did they... Did I, think, they... I think so. Oh, okay. I saw something about that today. Oh, okay. See, I didn't see that. I saw the initial story, which, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Blizzard was going to institute, like, basically a trial period. So you buy the game. I mean, you've paid your money for the game, and yet you, for 72 hours, you can only play up to a certain point and, like, get your character up to a certain level. And then you just have to wait. And I, I guess this is to make sure you're a real person. You're not just going to try to somehow, like, exploit the auction house. Huh. So I don't really understand, like, just buying the game, how you'd be able to really, like influence the you know the real monetary auction house in any way outside of just buying things <laughs> you know yeah i mean you're not going to find anything that anyone's going to want to buy in those first three days so i thought that was kind of wild but yeah i i'm pretty sure that's gone now at least the the trial period hmm. yeah okay well that's that's definitely good then yeah um, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't messed with either auction house, the, um, the real one or the, um, you know, the in-game currency one. I think if, I think if you could do it through the game, like when you're actually playing the game, I might be inclined to do it. But I think the fact that you have to like exit out and go to a menu and stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the, the checkpoints aren't that great either. What do you mean? In the game. At least I found. Like, um, if you're going through a dungeon or something, um, you have to advance to a certain point. Oh, yeah. so you can start right from there, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah, then that sucks you, because... If you portal back to town and then you try to go back, then... Right, and then that's kind of a bummer because then it clears out your whole map and you have to restart, yeah. you know, like, it's a whole new generated world. Yeah, so. yeah for somebody like me who, me who always tries to, like, fill out the map. Like, yeah. Yeah, do you play that way too, James? Yeah, I do the exact same thing. Okay, yeah, same here. I love that you guys do that, because I feel like that's such an I know, old yeah, school... Yeah. Like, the it's first time we played school. together, I'm like, oh god, thank goodness yeah. that we're both, like, exploring this entire thing. Totally, it drives me crazy when I play with people who don't, because I'm just like, oh, there might be a chest there, you just don't know. <laughs> There's yeah, that... a stump over there. <laughs> yeah, that stump could be anything. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the reasons I had to play the first part time alone. Because <laughs> people were, people were just probably rushing through it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of And a on pain. the higher difficulties, it's, you know, less of an issue because you're trying to grind through the higher level enemies and not, you know, searching for gold and stuff like that. It's mostly like right. a, a rush to the boss and stuff like that. Yeah. In in the later yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so But yeah, um that does drive me crazy. But I love that both of you do that, because I was gonna say that's like such an old school Diablo like yeah. uh like method of playing. Like that just reminds me of the first game so much. I do that with every game actually. <laughs> Really, like have to explore everything yeah. before you move to a new area. That's probably why I have like 200 hours on Pokemon before I went to the Elite Four. Holy crap! <laughs> so, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Jeez. 
Um, so yeah, I think we're kind of uh, kind of wrapping up here. We've kind of covered everything I wanted to cover. Was there anything you guys wanted to to mention specifically? Um, not really. Uh, no, I think so. Okay. I know they rolled out a couple patches. I don't know if you guys have experienced anything with the character or anything that's uh, felt different. Not really. I know they like nerfed some things, but yeah. I think that didn't really apply to like the barbarian very much. Um, and then I know they were supposed to like lower the difficulty of Inferno mode, um, yeah. so that yeah. it was a little easier to get through. But I haven't gotten that far yet, so yeah. that also hasn't really applied to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, it's had such like a shaky kind of first few months. I mean, for as good of a game as it is, like it's kind of been met with a lot of controversy. You yeah. know, whether it's the initial first days where people couldn't get in and everyone's mad because they just want to play alone, but they still have to be online. And then now, which it sounds like they've fixed it, but, you know, this whole trial period that they had first talked about and, uh, you know, just things like that. It's kind of interesting. Um, it seems like they were really ambitious with this game and in some ways maybe they weren't uh, expecting <laughs> the uh, the sort of negative feedback that they got, especially Blizzard. I feel like Blizzard's usually, like, untouchable. It's this company that does, like, everything perfectly and that is, like, mm-hmm. revered. I mean, sort of in the way that Valve is. Yeah. Um, but the, I don't know. They they kind of had some missteps with this, and they still have yet to uh, roll out the PvP part of it. Mm. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I don't know when that's going to come. But um, well, for both of you, having not really played one or two, and now that you've ostensibly finished the game, you know, quote unquote, I guess you never really finish it. <laughs> but uh, I mean, is it what you expected it would be? I mean, James, you you stopped early, so I don't yeah. know if like it didn't grab you the way maybe you thought it would. Because at first, with with the way you, I mean, you played the beta and you even first proposed like having a Diablo three like segment. Yeah. I thought like I thought you were like a Diablo super fan. I thought I just assumed you played all the games and like you were just like frothing at the mouth for this. But um, um, I think it was mostly because I'm a really big fan of uh, the Binding of Isaac, and I I like that type of like just dungeon crawler where you're just going through dungeons. Sure. And uh, I, I, I mean, it did. It was pretty much what I expected. It was just that uh, I think I just got burnt out too quickly. Um, yeah. I do plan on going back because I did really enjoy it, and I think I've only, I've only actually played as a demon hunter, so I want to try out all the classes eventually. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, what about you, Nate? Like, is it been as good as you thought it would be? Or yeah, I think so. Um, it was kind of a a novel thing when I first started. You know. The, the whole Diablo experience, but it has kind of blossomed into, you know, the stories that people tell of playing all night and right. you know, getting that item, having to try it out. Right. I that mean, we definitely... cycle of... <laughs> of killing and going back to town yeah. and just identifying an item and, like, praying it's what what you want. Like, mm-hmm. just that piece you need to, like, get to that next, like, echelon, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I know we've definitely had a lot of late nights playing. I mean, I, I can't think of how many, like... 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. nights we had, like, uh-huh. just trying to get through an entire act in one night and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I've been uh, pleasantly surprised. It seems like a game, too, that you can easily go back to. I guess much in the same way that I'll go back to StarCraft 2, like, every few months and just uh-huh. play competitively for a few weeks, and then I kind of stop. You know, it just seems like, you know, it's easy to roll a new character, and, you know, if you get someone who hasn't played it before, and, you know, you get in there with someone playing it for the first time, I mean, it's just like, uh-huh. I don't know, it's like brand new again, you know? And yeah, I, I there's, think a, it's, there's a really low barrier of entry. Right, and a lot of replayability. I think we should make a pact to try to start hardcore characters and see how far we can get. I'd be up for that. Yeah. Great. If anyone uh, out there plays, I think, what, you can do five players in a game, right? Or is it four? I think it's five. Four. four. 
Is it just four? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we could use one more. So if anyone out there uh, listening to Connectivity plays Diablo 3, maybe you can be our fourth uh, Andy's hardcore good. party member. Yeah, Andy's good. We'll not drag the party down. <laughs> I uh, I watched this like video of these two guys before Inferno got like uh, nerfed, if you will, um, playing through on hardcore and beating Diablo. You guys happen to see that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know which one you're talking about. Okay, it was pretty intense. I mean, they were like, they had, you know, their headsets on, and they were like super, like, uh, oh, strategic no. about it. And like, yeah, it was really, really intense. And I mean, I understand it, because you got it Diablo. once, and that's it. Was, yeah, exactly. Click, click, click. Was this the first guy, that, uh, the first two guys that beat Diablo on Inferno? Or... Yes, exactly. Oh, okay, yeah. And like, their whole thing was the, the patch was coming, like, in the next day. So they oh, played yeah. through all, all of Act 4 in one sitting, like, in one day. Um on Inferno difficulty. Have you seen the the guy who I guess he's sort of a some sort of Diablo celebrity who just going for like a super high DPS so he can take down the bosses in like half a second? No, something like that. Yeah, there's videos out there. He's trying to like do speed runs on each of the bosses. <laughs> Weird to get and it down gr- to like tenths of a second. Wow, and he's just going for like all damage output just yeah. to like yeah, it's, wow. it's everything or nothing. Like, What's he play I, as? I don't remember. Huh. I'd be interested to know what class. Demon Hunter? Yeah. yeah. I think it'd be one of those mixed classes. Like, I don't think you could do that with, like, an all-magic class or, like, an no, all, you know, not. like, the Barbarian. Because, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. All right. Well, I think that will do it. So that's Diablo 3. Um, you know, a really good game, I think so. Um, a lot of controversy. But in the end, I think we'll just remember it for being a good game. <laughs> I think both of you should go back and try to beat Diablo 2. Yeah, I might I, do that. Yeah, I probably will. Some point. It's so archaic now compared to three. Yeah, I mean, we we didn't really talk too much about the the improvements and the way they've streamlined the system, but uh, you know, they definitely did oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for the for the better, I think. So, all right, well, thanks, James and uh, Nate, for joining me. Thanks, and uh, we'll see you guys later. See ya. Bye.